Again, and welcome to the 10th edition of Preview. I'm Joseph Hadfield. And I'm James Knight. And in this edition, we've uh, we've reached a milestone. 10 episodes in. We never thought we'd get that far even. Um, but we are bringing you uh, the reaction from the 20th event in this season's Formula One World Championship as we head to Qatar <laughs> for, the, uh, for the first ever Qatar Grand Prix. Um, and uh, we're going to have a look back at all the action from that we're going to be talking tires as that was the main issue this weekend also fernando alonso is finally back and uh, christian horner getting himself on the naughty step not for the first time this season that and plenty more on the way on preview and before we get into the action from the uh, the first of two uh, questionable financial Grand Prix, shall we say. Uh, James has the trivia question. Um, yeah, so as we know, Fernando Alonso finally back on the podium after a very, very long time. What I want to know is when did he last stand on the podium? How many titles did Hamilton have at that point? And who were the World Cup champions? I think that's a little bit easy this week. Uh, certainly for me, maybe not for you. You might not remember it. Um, obviously, uh, I, I should remember it very well because even though it was well before I got into uh, to F1, uh, a, a certain someone was uh, was winning said Grand Prix. So uh, I will have a, a think about that. Right, that's done. And uh, I will give uh, James, hopefully, the correct answer, making sure I don't look an absolute idiot. Uh, at the end of the programme, onwards then to the Qatar Grand Prix. And, uh, well, we said Hamilton had had a, a ridiculous weekend in Brazil, uh, possibly one of the greatest races and comebacks of his career. And, well, he's following that up on pole and converts pole into a win. And in all honesty, it was everything behind Hamilton that was going on. Um, as we said, we have to start by talking tyres. Um, Valtteri, not so fortunate for him, um, retiring from the race once again uh, with another puncture. Um, George Russell also getting a puncture. Something about that second Merck seat, maybe. Uh, Latifi also getting a puncture, and he... Uh, he was out of the race and even Lando got a puncture as well, even though it wasn't noticeable. Now, if I'm right in saying I could be wrong here, but I think Pirelli brought the hardest compounds of tyres for this weekend. It's not the first time this season that Pirelli have, have had question marks over the head. Azerbaijan, obviously. What the hell was going on? 
So, yeah, you, you kind of go to the track at first and, and you think, well, it's flat track. The curbs are pretty much non-existent. You know, it's it's a MotoGP track. There's going to be nothing much there. Obviously, the, the, a lot of the uh, a lot of the corners are high load turns. So there's, there's there's always going to be kind of some stress put on the tires. But then it's it's when you actually get past the the red and white rumble strips that you see that there's these kind of shark tooth, razor sharp bits of concrete over the over the edge of the track and the moment the drivers went over them they were just absolutely tearing them to bits um, we saw Gasly I think it was in qualifying he ripped um, the front end of his car off in qualifying which obviously then um, and ended in the yellow flags uh, at the end of the session but I, I'd love to know whether or not they had these when the MotoGP riders are, are on that track because it is just phenomenally dangerous and I, I'd I've not really got too many problems with Pirelli, I think, in that sense. Well, it's quite an interesting one, obviously, because imagine if uh, one of the MotoGP riders, obviously very unlikely because their tyres are a lot more sort of sturdier, obviously, with their only having two wheels. If what one of those get a puncture, uh, they need to bust out their best wheelie impressions. The focus was on Bottas having the puncture because that pretty much altered things when it comes to the Constructors' Championship, maybe. But it also opened the door uh, for one Fernando Alonso. Obviously, you were mentioning a few minutes ago, he's back on the podium. Well, 13 drivers of the 21, technically, this season, although rather it should be 19, and have stood on uh, on the podium so far this season. Fernando is back on the podium where he belongs. And... Um, He's uh, well. Well, we remember the the team radio from the other week at US when he uh, when he dived down the inside of Giovinazzi. Oh yes, uh, I imagine it'll probably be the same thing uh, once again on uh, on Sunday. But what a drive! Obviously, the the VSC did help him out and stop Perez uh, charging Alonso down. But I think I speak for everyone and every F one fan. It's just so good to see Fernando Alonso back in the top three of a Grand Prix. I mean, yeah, it's been a really strong uh, weekend actually from uh, from Alpine third and third and fifth, and even without that virtual safety car, if you know, if it had been fourth and fifth, you'd if you'd have offered that to him at the start of the season, they'd have bitten your hand off. Really, really difficult start. Obviously, they had they had the Ocon win um, at Hungary, and I think that was the first time we saw the old Alonso back with his unbelievable defending against Hamilton. At Hungary, and we've seen these little flashes. I thought, I thought he drove like an idiot when it when it came to the U.S. Grand Prix, firing down the inside of Giovinazzi and nearly totaling him a couple of times, and then celebrating it. Um, I, I I didn't. I thought that was kind of more kind of over enthusiasm and enthusiasm over skill almost. But this was a real old school Fernando Alonso. He had a target, and he enjoyed himself. He heard it on the radio at the end. He was like, oh, "I'm just going to enjoy these last few laps." And you're like, "Well." Fair enough. I mean, he's a very, very talented driver. One of the best we've had in modern Formula One. Do I like him much as a person? No, not really. I think he said some horrible things to Johnny Herbert that I really disagreed with. Um, and I think he's just general politics of a team. He could have won a hell of a lot more championships if he'd have been a little bit nicer of a person. Um, but it's a talented driver that's got on the podium. So you can't really argue too much with that side of it. Indeed. And to be fair, Alpine had a, a really strong weekend. Ocon coming home in fifth. 
Uh, like you were mentioning, he had to uh, defend like telling Esteban Ocon to defend like a lion for the last couple of, of laps when uh, trying to hold up Perez. Obviously, it didn't work in the end. But you've got Max Verstappen, who's supposedly the lion. You've got Alonso that's telling Ocon to be like the lion. What is it becoming Formula Lion now or something? It is. And then you've got like Mick Schumacher at the back being a little tabby cat. It's really sweet. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think they're, they're all... They're all going for it, and I think they're all kind of getting to a point now where they're really see the championships getting so close in certain certain points between like whether it's the constructors or it's obviously right at the sharp end um, for the drivers' title as well. And I think every every single race just seems to be mattering more and more now. And there seems to be being a trend this season where drivers are coming on the radio and telling their engineers what to tell their other driver. And I I just think we should have driver to driver radio at this point and let let Alonso chat to Arcon if he wants halfway through the race. I think it'd be really cool. But uh, but yeah, there's some really good battles on track, and it's it's one of these one of these circuits where it doesn't lend itself to overtaking, so they have to improvise. And we, we saw some really cool moves there. In all honesty, if we're going to have teammate radio, we should it should just be teammate to teammate because you have you have driver to driver. You'll get Verstappen saying all sorts F, FCs and all, and all all sorts to. Hamilton, Hamilton possibly doing this the the other way. And then you get Toto and Christian Horner on the, the radio. So it would just be a bad idea. I know. I think that'd be the best thing ever. Imagine the viewer ratings would absolutely rock it. <laughs> I'd, I'd be well up for it. <laughs> well, that, that's the funny thing because, uh, and I saw this comment the, the other week and I forgot to mention it in Brazil. We've obviously seen a lot more, sort of interest in F1 this season with the FIA team radio, including pretty much the the moaning of, of uh, team bosses to uh, Michael Massey. And I thought uh, with uh, with Massey's uh, comments and responses at, at Brazil, it should uh, should be renamed the, the Sassy Massey Hotline. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. I think it, it always reminds me of when you get like a kid that gets a detention at school and you have that type of parent that rather than saying to the kid, why were you in trouble? They march over to school and go, why was my child in trouble? What are you doing about it? And it's just that kind of, my, my baby can't do anything wrong, even though he's crashed into the back of him. Well, he shouldn't have had his car on the track in the first place. So I love it. I think it's great. And it gives us a little bit more of an insight into like the, <laughs> the job that poor Charlie Whiting had to do behind the scenes that we never really got to see. And we're only finally seeing just this sheer amount of workload that they get during the race of just teams complaining and point scoring over pointless stuff. Well, Sassy Massey wasn't involved realistically this weekend. Um, Those two, the main two protagonists in this world championship fight, Hamilton has closed the gap again with a a, a pretty faultless drive. Couldn't really do much else really. Um, I suppose the only thing that could have caused a bit of concern is if, He'd have not listened to Merck. They were just going to follow whatever Red Bull were doing on the pit stops. They did that and it worked to perfection. Why not? Verstappen got that grid penalty for these, the Gasly puncture. I forgot Gasly got a puncture as well. Um, The yellow flag debacle. He's still, to be fair to Verstappen, seventh to second, pretty impressive in the space of what, like four or five laps? Yeah, it was a good drive really good drive from him uh, I don't think he could have done much more I think once once you're in a situation where Hamilton had has clear track in front of him you, you're going to have to pull off something pretty spectacular 
um, to catch up to him, and and he, and he did well. You know, he, he was he's within five six seconds for, for for a good good number of laps until Hamilton kind of pulled it out a little bit more. Um, I think the penalty was deserved when you've got a car stopped at the side of the track, and you still have your flat foot flat to the floor. Yeah, I know it wasn't near him, but rules are rules. We've seen with uh, Jules Bianchi in the past, um, and and the injuries that obviously the fatal injuries he he sustained as a result of of stationary vehicles on a live track um you just can't mess with it and and i, I think that's that's the top and bottom of it i get we're in a world world title fight but we don't want this to be the world title fight that ends because someone has been fatally or seriously injured and so i fair play to the fia for really really putting a, a stamp on that and fair play to the marshals for for, for doing their, their job. Exactly. Now, Verstappen was a little bit of a naughty boy. Uh, Christian Horner, a little bit of a naughty boy as well. Obviously, we saw he, well, pretty much, he made a comment after qualifying regarding that scenario. He called, pretty much, he had a bit of a go at a marshal for waving the double yellow when the actual race control had said it's green flag, you can keep going. Let's be fair, the marshals aren't even getting paid to to do what they do. They're putting their lives at risk. Christian Orner's getting paid God knows how much to sit on a, a team wall. And you know what I mean? It, it, it was a daft comment to make. It's wrong. It, it really is. He's time and time again, when we had it before when when title fights get tight with Red Bull. He runs his mouth and he does not think what he's saying. And we've had it before in this season and you take it with a pinch of salt, but you don't go for a volunteer. You know, he's a multimillionaire married to a Spice Girl. They've, they've got all the money in the world and he has the entitlement to, to have a go at someone that, like you say, every time they get next to a track, and it's not just Formula One, they go to so many race meetings. They put their lives on the line. They're right next to the track. And they're the people that know what's going on. The FIA can't necessarily see on the cameras what's going on. They could have spotted something that they've realised is a threat and put the yellow flag out. And you have to be able to support that judgment. If they make a mistake, fine. That mistake is in the best interests of the drivers. And I can guarantee you, if for some reason Max Verstappen had ended up hitting the back of Pierre Gasly and you've had a Red Bull and, and an Alpha Tauri in potentially balls of flames with them two really injured. Christian had been going for the exact same marshal, the exact same time. So they're in a real don't win situation and they should throw the book at him because it, it, it's, it's frankly disgusting. Well, he was let off with a, an official warning, shall we say. And, and this is the thing we talk, we talk about. And I know I go on a bit about the fact that I'm not a fan of Red Bull anymore, but it's like, and this is what someone put on Twitter uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I, th- I think it pretty much sums it up perfectly. Verstappen's done a lot of good for Red Bull, but he's also managed to bring some tox- toxicity to it. Lacks the the patience that Weber and Vettel had. The good-humoured, good-naturedness of Ricardo. that was the Red Bull that we all loved. At times, Verstappen does make it hard to support Red Bull. And it's like you, you go back to Mexico as well. Sergio Perez said this. Um, Max had a problem with his wing in, in FP3 and they gave the damaged wing to Sergio Perez, gave Verstappen a, a fresh one that was fine from qualifying. The car was never the same. And this is the thing. I can understand the fact that 
that Red Bull are in this title fight with Verstappen up against Hamilton. And yes, okay, Bottas has sort of been being given the the crap end of the stick, if you like. But at the end of the day, I don't think Bottas is getting as buggered, shall we say, that whoever the second Red Bull driver is. Do you know what I mean? I I agree, and I I understand the decision from Red Bull to obviously give give Max Sergio's wing. But what I would say is they were doing that exact same kind of thing last year when there was no semblance of a title fight and you've got Alex Albon in the car just essentially getting bullied by by Red Bull and, and any other driver that they've had, whether it be Kvyat or, or even Ricardo, there's always been that kind of preferential treatment has always gone to max. Red Bull were always the fun team. They were that team that had, you know, the, the Star Wars branding. They were the first ones that had the Red Bull Energy Station and they did turn up those first weeks when they when they were first a team back in what was it, two thousand and two thousand and five, maybe two thousand and six. Yeah. And they they made a lot of noise. You know, they had the parties and everyone was like, All right, okay, here they are. And the closer they've got to the top Obviously, you get that bit more serious, but that that semblance of fun should stay there because if it doesn't, you end up with a work culture like somewhere like Ferrari, where it's a workplace culture of fear. And if they don't get hold of that kind of thing and they don't stop Christian from running his mouth like that, then they will that that will transfer into the workers, and you'll end up with a period of time where you know your engineers don't feel like they can bring concerns to the table, and they they can go backwards down the grid as well. So. It's some. It's not just something about him going off on Sky Sports or or whatever. It's it's deeper than that. When it's the the main front man for the for the organisation, feels like he's got a free pass to say what he wants. That goes all the way through the organisation. I really, really don't like it. I couldn't agree more. And uh, that that's why I'm now in the McLaren ballpark. And speaking <laughs> of McLaren, um, bit of a well, bit of a disaster, shall we say, the last couple of weeks. For them, obviously, they're in this battle with Ferrari for for P3 and the Constructors. For most of the season, McLaren have looked in front. Obviously, they had the Monza weekend, a 1-2, well in front. And then since, well, realistically, sort of after Monza, OK Lando, what looked looked set to win the Grand Prix before that happened, Ferrari have brought this engine upgrade and they've just rocketed up the grid and some, and pretty much, I'm going to be honest now, we've got two races left. Realistically, P3 is Ferrari's. Yeah, I think it's, it's something along the lines of in this triple header, Ferrari have outscored McLaren by 44 points to three. I think it is. So it's, it's been utter domination from Ferrari's perspective. I did read something that I'm surprised that well, either of us are kind of not kind of clicked with it or anything, but obviously we have this token system in terms of development. McLaren had to use essentially their entire um, allocation of tokens to be able to port over to the Mercedes engine at the start of this season. So they actually don't have any left, so they can't develop the car and the engine as, as they'd want to. And obviously Ferrari have done upgrades. So I think it is just a case of McLaren have had to just go, we've got the package that we've got and we're going to have to hope that that's enough. And, and they were, they're kind of at the mercy of Ferrari. And I think, yeah, with, with the difference in the cars and, and the momentum that Ferrari have got, it it would take 
at least one, if not two, double DNS now from from Ferrari for McLaren to, to get to get P3. Are you, are you angry about that as a McLaren fan, or do you think, do you know what, we'll take fourth place and 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 use that extra dev time going into 2022? Exactly. At the end of the day, fourth from let's let's be fair. This is McLaren. When they're with Alonso in the with the GP2 engine and what have you, 2016, 2017, they were they were eighth on the grid, for goodness sake. They've won a Grand Prix, a one-two for goodness sake. In fact, I think I'm still right in saying I think they're still the only team that's had a one-two this season. Do correct me if I'm wrong there. Um I think they still are. I could be wrong, but this is the point I'm making. Fourth, okay, it's a little bit less money than third, but it's more time on the wind tunnel for a brand new car that no one's got any clue what it's going to be like. And let's be fair, as we said, McLaren are working basically with a 2020 car with a Merck engine in the back of it. I have got no qualms with finish. As I keep repeating on this program, after Monza, I don't care what happens for the rest of the season. 2022 is a complete new slate. LFG, basically, as, as Ricardo usually says. Um, we will be fine next year, McLaren. Even if we don't get P3 this year, we're, lose, we're losing P3 to Ferrari, for goodness sake. The most well-known and recognised and historic team in motor racing. We will be fine. So that's pretty much rounds up that. Um, onwards to driver of the day. Now, unlike Brazil, this is not, not really that easy. There are some contenders. Um, who is your money on? Um, I'm stuck between Hamilton and Alonso, to be honest, I think. Alonso kept his cool. He's not been up there, up at the sharp end of the field like that for for a long time. And so, you know, it wasn't just kind of another day at the office. Lewis, obviously, absolutely blitzed the race, controlled it really well. Uh, and then, obviously, Max as well had a very good race coming, coming up to second as well. Um, I think I'm going to give it to Alonso, I think, from my perspective. You know, he's, he's done well there for Alpine, and it was a bit of a surprise result, I think, for for the entire team. So Alonso for James. Now, you could make the case of Ocon, obviously, because he got fifth uh, as well. Lance Stroll's another option. Sixth for Aston Martin. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, if you're going to have undriver of the day, shall we say, the opposite, I think that might have to go to Pierre Gasly. Obviously, starting second, finishing 11th out of the points. Alpha Tauri uh, strategy maybe uh, knackered him up a bit there you know what fernando gets driver of the day this weekend uh, a double from us because fernando alonso was he, he did brilliantly let's be fair started third finished third you can't ask for more than that in arguably the sixth best car on the grid i've got no qualms with that moment of the weekend um now i had the first uh contender for this one um Alex Jakes on the uh, the Channel 4 commentary that I always make sure I catch. Um, he was, uh, obviously, we know that Toto's been doing a lot on the team radio to, to Bottas and Hamilton of, of recent weeks. 
Well, I love the comment that Alex Jake said the other night. He, he said, uh, Toto's on the radio that much. Uh, anytime soon, he'll be given his own breakfast show, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. I love that. Um, and my, my moment of the weekend um, that, I, that I put forward was just the, the picture of Alonso eating sparks. It was oh, yeah. unbelievable. That was that was like standing in the middle of a firework and letting it go off. And he, his foot was pinned to the floor. Still, he didn't he didn't even bat an eyelid, despite the fact that he had half a car's worth of metal getting sprayed into his face. It was mental. So fair play to him for that. This is Fernando Alonso. We're not we are uh, we're not forgetting. He uh, he laughs in the face of danger. Um, I mean, one other you could mention, it, whether it's, well, it is funny on our scent, even though we, we shouldn't be as mean to him anymore. Um, it, was, it was going round, and uh, I'll find the photo. Uh, I, uh, I took a screenshot of it, as I would. Um, 13 laps to go, and uh, the driver that shall not be mentioned, that, uh, that finished last of the actual finishers, was uh, one minute and four seconds behind his teammate. And this is with 13 laps to go. That take, doesn't take into account pit stops, I don't think. I don't think he'd had a pit stop after that. That is horrendous. That That is... That's getting destroyed by your teammate. And I know, obviously, we've seen Hamilton kind of absolutely blitz um, Bottas before, but at least they're like first, second, first and fourth, not 17th and 18th. Jeez. If I am wrong, I do apologise. I think we'll... Fernando might as well just have a, a clean sweep this weekend. Uh, yeah. Him and his sparks. It's it's just incredible the fact that he kept it flat to the floor. Unbelievable. So uh, Fernando, there you go. You're uh, you're, you're making up for lost time um, with your uh, all your award winners of this week on top of the podium. Right. Your thoughts then from the first Qatar Grand Prix and. Uh, a couple this week. Absolutely, yeah. So, a very random one. I was I was sat um, watching the race with my mum and dad, and we got talking about um, penalties. And you know, obviously, sometimes you have say five place grid penalty or five second penalty, all these kind of things. And w- my mum came up with a kind of a, a, a bit of a different one. I've never heard it batted around before, but I think it's brilliant. She said, essentially, rather than doing like a seconds penalty stopping the driver from having DRS for a number of laps. So, you know, it, it doesn't kind of disrupt, the, you know, it doesn't take them completely out of the equation. But, you know, if, if, if you know, Max, for instance, is behind Lewis and he's, he's been exceeding track limits or he's gone for a dodgy move, they can say, right, three laps without DRS. And, it, and it's, it's just that nice kind of middle ground. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I, I think it's cracking. It's not a bad idea. The, the only thing I can think of is... For example, say, uh, uh, like, well, say, for example, Verstappen was penalised for running Hamilton off wide. Obviously, we know he wasn't. And we we finally got Merck re- denied the uh, the request there last week. Um, imagine if ha- Verstappen, say, had been penalised for that. He didn't get DRS. He isn't really getting DRS anyway because he's he's leading though, isn't he? Yeah, true. Um, I think I guess the only thing as well is obviously it probably would work more for the midfield, say for instance, because it would obviously if you're in a bit of a battle and you've got kind of loads of people around you, you're a sitting duck from behind. You you can't go ahead. 
but you're not also having to pop into the pits and have a five second penalty you know you've still got a fighting chance come the end of a straight to to defend your position but you're just at a slight disadvantage i guess um and then the the, the, the second comment we had was from darren he said i thought it was going to be a very boring race but how very wrong i was i was excited as boris johnson was seeing pepper pig world this week uh, i don't know if you have seen that speech that boris gave at the cbi but he was very very much in favor of pepper pig world well List of things I never thought I'd hear on an F1 podcast. Number one, that idiot and uh, and Peppa Pig world. But there you are. Fair enough. Um, so now that does pretty much wrap up the uh, the very first Qatar Grand Prix. But before we do, obviously, it is the one and only time that we are going to be going to the LaSalle International Circuit in Formula One, because the plan is, Obviously, it's not on the calendar next year because there's a World Cup and that's central focus, but it is back in 2023. What did we make of the of the Grand Prix, of the, the track, the circuit? It's going to be something new. Apparently, it's going to be like a street circuit, sort of like Singapore. It wasn't too bad. I just thought it was a bit like a B-Tech Bahrain. I think that's pretty accurate, to be honest. I wish I wish I could sit here and say, oh, we were right all along. It was going to be a really good race, but we were very disparaging towards it. Obviously, a lot of that is because of the good old uh, human rights record. But yeah, as a track, it was it was all right. It, it didn't it doesn't lend itself when you look at it to have many overtaking opportunities, but I guess that's where... The, the best drivers in the world do come out because they find these opportunities to sneak round, a, a, get some mid-corner speed or exit speed from, from nowhere. And we saw that on the opening lap when Fernando went screaming round the outside of someone into turn two or three on the, the left-hander. Um, and and it, it allows for a bit of improvisation rather than kind of, I'm going to get to the end and try and get on the inside of this hairpin or get a switch back. There's, there's little bits of different stuff. So, yeah, I, I was... I was pleasantly surprised by it. Um, I'll be interested interested to see what happens with the new track. Um, but yeah, it was all right. Nice little cameo from uh, from a different circuit. I'm not happy we've been there for ten years at a track that we don't really see. But you know, that's F1 and that is money. It is indeed. So to run you through your Qatar Grand Prix, Lewis Hamilton with the victory once again ahead of Max Verstappen and Fernando Alonso in third. Sergio Perez in fourth. Good day for Alpine. Esteban Ocon in fifth. Lance Stroll with some decent points for Aston in sixth. Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz seventh and eighth. Once again for the prancing horse. Lando Norris with only his third point. And McLaren's third point in three races of this triple header. And Sebastian Vettel, the final point scorer in tenth. Just outside the points, we had puncture man himself, Pierre Gasly. Uh, P12, we had Ricardo just outside the points. Um, again, giving Ferrari that a little bit more of a lead for P3. Uh, 13th, we've got Yuki Tsunoda. 14th, Kimi Raikkonen. 15th, Antonio Giovinazzi, both of whom had a pretty quiet race from what I can remember. Mick Schumacher exists. Um, P17, George Russell with a puncture. Nicholas Latifi, DNS, puncture. Valtteri Bottas, DNS, puncture. And that's your standings. Funny thing is about Ricardo, I was. I was looking, it turns out there was a, a fuel error. Basically, he had to, to save a lot more fuel than he should have. So he was stupidly slow, two seconds per lap slower. 
Oh, well, that is McLaren in this triple header and uh, things have gone wrong. But never mind. Uh, it is a week off now before we're back for the final two Grand Prix of this season as we head to Saudi Arabia, which apparently is close to being finished. Can't say I'm too excited about that. Um, but nevertheless, if Lewis Hamilton wins an eighth world title, I could, it, for all I care, they could have done a Grand Prix in Tesco's car park as, as long as <laughs> Hamilton wins. I could not give a monkey's. And the funny thing the is, Vegas Grand Prix. <laughs> well, if Hamilton does win and uh, Verstappen uh, with fastest lap and Verstappen gets second, they will be level pegging to Abu Dhabi. So that one will be fun. Right. Just before we go, the answer to the trivia question, James, you've got it once more. Uh, yeah, so uh, obviously Fernando Alonso got his first podium in a good while. I wanted to know what Grand Prix uh, it was. He got his last podium. How many titles Lewis Hamilton had? Who was the Football World Cup champions? Because, you know, all the sports exist. So I can tell you now that it was the 2014 Hungarian Grand Prix. Fernando Alonso came second ahead of Lewis Hamilton and Daniel Ricciardo won his second Grand Prix at Red Bull. Um, Germany were the World Cup champions, obviously beating our, uh, Argentina in the final, obviously. And um, what was the other bit? Uh, how many titles did Lewis have? Oh, Lewis Hamilton obviously only had the one. The Mercedes had none because obviously 2014 was the season that Hamilton won his first of currently six world titles with Mercedes. That is absolutely correct. And to give a bit of wider context as well, as he was doing the uh, his, his last podium, the world was doing the ice bucket challenge. Um, and that really does seem like an age ago. So well done, Fernando. He's 75 years old, still driving, so fair play. Exactly. And uh, funny enough, I'd only had Facebook for a month by then so uh, there you go and um, right that is uh, this weekend's action all done and dusted and how many times i've watched the ending to the hungarian grand prix of 2014 uh, you would not want to know uh, only uh, only third to uh, china 2018 and monaco 2018 anyway we are there back. a restraining order out on that <laughs> i'm paying my 20 quid a year for f1 tv archive i could not care less uh, we are back on, uh, on next week for another preview and it's time it will be a preview as we look ahead to the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix um, and uh, if it is finished we shall see we will see you next week thanks for your company and it's goodbye bye bye